Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We are kind of like sheep. That's what the Bible calls us. Sheep follow. There has to be a leader. In the home, God created leaders, husbands and wives. At the workplace, God enables us to have managers and bosses. In the church, there is leadership to lead the sheep, pastors and elders. But ultimately, you were created to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Most of us would agree that the world would be a pretty hectic place if everyone operated in a free-for-all kind of structure. Just as nature has its own order and structure, we too need a consistent, solid foundation in which we go about our lives. From the workplace to the family, Pastor Mark will discuss this topic in today's message. In our study, we'll learn how each and every one of us was created with this need for order within our very being. This order comes only by God the Father, through Christ His Son, as Pastor Mark will teach us in today's message. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 12, with part one of his message entitled, I will make you just like me, Jesus. Turn to the book of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament. The book of Matthew, chapter 4. Chapter 4. In a zoo in Japan, the zoo director, because it was April Fool's, dressed up like one of these penguins. The first lesson is this be very careful who you follow. I always wondered when I looked at that picture this week, what Charlie and Alice are saying there to each other as they look at this turkey. Like, why are we like this and why is he like this? But the second most important thing I want you to think about this morning, and we're going to study it in God's word, not penguins, but is this. Every person ever born was designed, called, and equipped to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Not one exception. God created you and he created me as a follower. And so we'll see this morning that when we are kind of like sheep, that's what the Bible calls us, sheep follow, there has to be a leader. In the home, God created leaders, husbands and wives. At the workplace, God enables us to have Managers and bosses. In the church, there is leadership to lead the sheep, pastors and elders. But ultimately, you were created to be a follower 
of Jesus Christ. Now, how does that happen? What does that entail? How do I define that? And what does an average day in my life look like? Some of you this morning, as yet, have not become a follower of Jesus Christ. We'll share with you how that works. Many of you are. And as we go through this passage, there's a couple things that I want to challenge you with. The first one is this, and you're going to see the same statement at the end. In an hour from now, you'll see this very same statement. When you see these words, follow Jesus, which of these two options comes to mind? An exciting adventure or a boring obligation? You see, our world is into, sorry to say, dead religion. Many people do the religious deal. Serving God? Well, it's simply an obligation. We kind of joked about that last week. Let me ask you a question. You're you're very smart people. Do you think if you took all the churches last week in the world and added up the people that were there and took all the churches that were in the world and add up all the people that will be on this weekend one week later, would there be any difference? Forget the daylight savings. That confused it even worse. Would there be any difference? Why? Because for a majority of people, it's a boring obligation. Do you understand that? They went, not only here, but churches everywhere, because they're, as we talked about last week, C&E people, Christmas and Easter people. It's, it's Easter. You've got you to gotta do the religious thing. Jesus is not into the religious thing. Being a follower of Jesus isn't twice a year. And so we're going to see some interesting things, and we pick it up in in Matthew chapter 4. You've turned there. Look down at verse 12. When Jesus heard that John, John the Baptist, had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Now, leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Zebulun and Naphtali were were two tribes of the original 12 tribes of Israel who had settled in that area of Israel. Now, why did Jesus move from Nazareth to Capernaum? Well, the answer is in verse 14. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And right here in verse 15 and 16, we have a quote from Isaiah chapter 9. Here's what it says. Land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee, this is interesting, we're in Jewish territory, but look at the Galilee of the Gentiles. The people, I stop with that word people because you're going to see that a lot. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now why did Jesus leave his hometown of Nazareth and go to Capernaum? Well, we know the reason. 700 years before Jesus was born, God said, predicted, Jesus would have his headquarters, not in Nazareth, but in Capernaum. So God had already made this plan move for Jesus 700 years before he was born. That reminds us of three special keys, something to write down this morning, the first thing. Jesus was, first of all, called by God. Then empowered by God, and we see it right here, and directed by God. 
If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been called, you will be empowered, but our lives, well, we don't direct our own steps, but absolutely we are directed by God. We will look this morning at five aspects of following Jesus Christ. What were the priorities as the disciples begin to follow him? What five things do they see in this passage that you and I should have the same kind of emphasis for? The first one this morning is simply this. People-centered. If I follow Jesus Christ, in the middle of my life, surrounding me all the time, will be people. Now, where did Jesus go? Well, he went to an area called Capernaum. So he moved from Nazareth, about 20 miles or so, up to this area of Capernaum. Now, why did he move there? Well, God planned him to be there. Well, why would God take him from this city of Nazareth up to this other area? Well, here's why. If you look at that map, and you can't see it today, but 2,000 years ago, this area of Capernaum was just teeming with one thing, people. So way north of here, if you go up to Caesarea Philippine, way north, you go to Syria, still there today, a city called Damascus. And if you head there, there was the road by the sea. There was this huge, it would be like I-75. It came down from there, went to Capernaum, and went out to the Mediterranean Sea. Well, while you're at the Mediterranean Sea, ships go all over the world. But it also then would take another angle and go down past the Jordan River here and head way on down south, and it would go to Egypt and Africa. So in the middle of that crazy roadmap is this city called Capernaum. It was filled with travelers from all over the world, plus their people. Now, you can imagine... Uh, There was kind of a saying in those days. Let me read it to you. I thought it was an interesting saying that I found. It says this. uh, In those days, there was a common saying, Judea is on the way to nowhere. Galilee is on the way to everywhere. So let's say you lived up in Damascus, and you're on business, and you travel this road. Well, you're going to stop at Capernaum. Number one, it's by the sea. Now, you want to stop there because there's lots of Long John Silver's outlets by the sea because it's a fish place. And you got fish to eat instead of whatever. So it's very populous. Now, how big was this area? Well, as you look at the map, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Sometimes when we think, it's, you know, we read this in the Bible, well, Jesus walked. We're like, well, you're like, how far did he walk? Well, this area that you see is 70 miles by 40 miles. So 70 by 40, how's your math? 2,800 square miles. Now, if you have a car driving 70 miles, but if you have your little puppies walking 70 miles, hmm. So what did Jesus do? In that area, there were over 200 cities and villages. The population well, it varies greatly. People don't, I mean, obviously, you know, didn't go to door to door and ask the population, they have a computer to figure it out. So there's this wide, at least 100,000, but many biblical scholars believe there was up to 3 million people. Why would God send Jesus there? Tell me the answer. You're not awake. Tell me the answer. People. Was it for the fish? Was it for the sea? No. 
It was for people. People. Now, as you see that, you begin to understand God loves, well, he just simply loves people. It became, this town, a center. It was the center of ministry. This is also an area where Peter's home was. And that's where Peter's mother-in-law, you remember, was sick with a fever. So this is the home base for Jesus. Now look back at your verses here. And tell me what kind of a, not only was it teeming with people, but what kind of people would be there? Well, they called it Galilee of the what? Gentiles. Well, what kind of people would be there 2,000 years ago? What religion would the Gentiles be? Roman Catholic Protestant? Uh, No. They were pagans. They didn't believe in God. They had many gods. And so... Notice in that passage, it says that Jesus was going to come into an area that was what? Dark, dark spiritually, and he would turn the light on in their lives. So that's why he was there. Number one, it was masses of people. Number two, they were in the dark spiritually. They didn't have a clue about who God was. And number three, Jesus would be the light that would change them. Now picture a guy coming, a guy or a gal coming on business down uh, from Damascus or whatever, or from Africa up. They come to Capernaum. They're in the dark. They don't have a clue. They get saved. It's like putting on a little miner's light and they got a little cap. And now that little light goes where? All over the world. That's how the gospel was spread. It was brought to people, and it was spread by people. No different at all. Why would God send Jesus there? Because people were lost. Lost people in darkness, without spiritual understanding, always matter to God. So what is the bottom line? First thing, the next thing for you to write this morning. The bottom line is simply this. People, the only thing that matters is people. And it's not about the people, it's about their spiritual aspect. Understand this morning this key. As I look you in your eyes, you will spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. That's the only choices. And so the thing that matters most to God is where you spend it. Some of you are already saying this morning, oh, Pastor Mark, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Ten seconds after you die, you will definitely be a believer, but it's too late. So that's why Jesus went, because he cared for people. They were in the dark. The second thing, second of the five, it was Jesus' ministry was repentance-based. Repentance-based. Look at verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach the prosperity gospel. You can be rich. You can drive any kind of car you want. No, that's not what he preached at all. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It was the same message that John the Baptist preached. It's the same message that Jesus would preach all through his ministry. It's the same message that Peter would preach on the day of Pentecost. What does it mean to repent? Here's the definition from a sermon a few weeks ago. To change your mind. To be sorry. Not just to be sorry, but to be sorry enough then to turn around and live a new lifestyle. It would be radical. You see, those people who were in spiritual darkness, some of you are in spiritual darkness here this morning. We all started that way. 
we just, we're ruling ourselves. You make the decisions in your life this morning. Every one of you that aren't Christians are making the decision for your life. Who to marry, how many kids to have, what kind of job to do, where to go to school, what kind of car to buy. God isn't involved in any of that. You're you're self-rule. Well, really, the Bible says you're not self-rule, you're Satan-ruled. Well, I don't believe that. That's because you're deceived. There's only two rulers. You can only serve one of two, God or Satan. And so Jesus said, look, you got to repent. And that's the first thing. Before anything else can happen, you have to have a change of your mind. You have to realize that you're headed the wrong direction. If you're headed the wrong direction, you want to be sorry for your sins, and you want to be sorry enough to turn around and change. It's a lifestyle change. Number three. Not only was it people-centered, repentance-based, but it was discipleship emphasized. When you and I became Christians, when we repented, that was stop number one on our walk with God. It doesn't end there. Watch what Jesus does in verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. Now they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw Jesus, two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Now understand, this is not the first time Jesus met these four. Some months earlier, Jesus had been around Peter, Andrew, James, and John. He'd explained to them this repentance. They became followers of Jesus Christ at that point. It was their salvation experience. They repented. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Now he's going to say to them, I'm taking you a step further. What happened back then? Because after they met Jesus and became really believers, they went back to fishing. But as he walks by the sea... He says, I'll take you and I'll take you. And we find some principles there because he's going to call them now. And he uses this word, follow me, which is an interesting word because it's actually command. Take a look at what Paul says about our lives in Colossians chapter 2. Let's just stop and let me ask you to focus on me just for a moment. See, many of you have become Christians. You're a believer. You repented. That's a good thing. You're going to heaven. That's step one. There's another phase of your life. And what you're going to see this morning is that phase that was designed by you. If you notice the title of our teaching this morning, Jesus says, I want to make you just like me. So it's not just salvation. It's a process of becoming like Christ. So Paul says, so then, just as you receive Christ, Jesus as Lord. In other words, that's the salvation part. What should I do then? Well, continue ongoing to live in him. Rooted and built it up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So once I become a Christian, next step, I'm going to get, I'm going to live in him. I'm going to be rooted. I'm going to be built up. I'm going to be strengthened. I'm going to be growing. All of that happens one, one way by being taught, by being taught. 
So that next phase that Jesus is talking about is this phase called discipleship. When Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, follow me, it wasn't like this. Uh, Would you like to follow me? In the original language, in the Greek, it would say this, follow me. Understood that it was a command. A command. Now, it was not only a command, it was a command to walk the same road. To walk with Jesus. Picture yourself this morning, because that's the command that he gives every single one of us. Now, what is this disciple? If you've been around this church at all, you know what my definition of it is. It's simply this. A disciple, which is phase two of being a Christian. A disciple is a lifelong learner. And there's that dirty D word, discipline. A lifelong learner under discipline. It's a real Christian who's made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Ask yourself this morning where you're at, because we're going to do some assessing as we go through here. Where are you in the... These two stages, convert, are you in this process of discipleship? Are you growing? And we'll see these three ways in a moment. Now, when you look at that word disciple, well, it, it's a word that kind of we, well, sometimes today we just throw it around pretty easy. What are you? Well, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. I'm whatever. Well, here's a way for you to define yourself. If you're truly a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a disciple, three ways, three keys. I want you to write them down this morning. First of all. What does it take when Jesus called these three? What do we see? Number one, availability. Availability. Someone has said that the greatest ability is availability. When Jesus called these three, these four, excuse me, they immediately just said, I'm going to follow. They were ready. They were ready because they knew they were created to be followers of Jesus Christ. So I had to be available. Second, if I'm going to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ, it's going to require radical obedience. Now, I want you to understand that for a moment. There were no excuses when Jesus said to these four, follow me. Oh, I can't do it. Remember, Peter and John, they left their fishing business. James and uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John left their fishing business and their dad. But they didn't go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, I'll follow you, but. No, it's radical. They left. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it's going to require radical obedience. Now, that, by that, I don't mean weirdness. Let me explain to you very closely this morning. I think it'll make it clear. For 95% of you, when God calls you to be a follower, he doesn't change your vocation, and he doesn't change your location. He wants you to become like him in the same job, in the same house, in the same marriage, at the same street, in the same neighborhood, going to the same church. He just is going to change you. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark taught us about the importance of structure and order. Family as parents, work as management, and as Pastor Mark taught us today, mankind has God. In our study, Pastor Mark reflected on how each and every one of us was created to follow God's lead. We learned that by following God's lead, we gain better integrity when it comes to work, family, and society. Maybe you're listening right now, and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us about the Christian life in light of vocation. Oftentimes, it's easy for us to feel that the ministry of others is more important than ours. But as Pastor Mark will teach, each of us has a crucial role. We'll learn that although not many are called to travel the world, each of us is called to be a light no matter where we live, serve, or work. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Yeah.